going on? Good day, my man. Good day, sir. Paul and Adam doing a show today, talking art of living right here in the studio. What a privilege to share the gospel with so many people all at once. Including me. Including you. Including me. Yeah, man. Uh, it's a great day. Uh, good to be here. We usually record on Fridays, which it is a Friday, which Fridays are good because yeah. it's Friday. I've never understood that, actually. But Maybe you could help me. You're listening to the podcast on not a Friday. Sorry. Yeah. You know. But why why do people freak out over Friday but not Saturday? To me, Saturday makes more sense to be excited about. It's the anticipation okay. of the weekend, you know, unless you work weekends. But it's also fall. There's football. It's and, a big deal, yeah. You know, Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays. There's a rumor floating around <laughs> that in like three weeks it could be 50 degrees where I'm standing. Really? Yeah, it's just a rumor, but I choose to believe it. Well, in Cajun country, we call that a cool snap. <laughs> what do we call that? A cool snap. Cool snap. Not a cold front. <laughs> not a cool front. A cool snap. Cool snap. I don't even know who made that up, but people say it, and it cracks me up. It cracks me up. How you been, Paul? Good. Good. I came across this article, Adam, and I just want to know if you've seen this thing. What did you say? That is so interesting. Are you for real, though? I am for real, Adam Conk. Uh, did you know or <laughs> have you seen the fact that um, there was uh, the oldest uh, pregnancy and delivery woman, her age? Recently? Recently. I have not seen that. You haven't seen this. Uh, 74 years of age. That's not real, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. How's that even possible? Well, <clears throat> it's possible. Wow. Modern day Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what will become of this child? You know? Twins. <gasps> Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, it happened. I saw it in the news. I was reading about it. Now, there's some logistical things that, uh, you know, they had some, you know, scientific help, I mm-hmm. guess you could say, mm-hmm. um, and other other methods and means. But the woman uh, gave birth to twins at 74 years of age. My goodness. So when I say that out loud, is what what kind of what kind of emotion comes across? <laughs> well, first confusion, <laughs> followed by concern <laughs> for all involved. <laughs> well, the children obviously are, you know, yeah, they're going to be raised by aunts and uncles. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, like by well, their, their grandkids are by their mid the same age or older. But all that being said, you know what it brings for me? I'll just get right to it. A little stress and anxiety. Like <laughs> I think about that like for me, like and I know like he's <laughs> open to life, but Well, you're not 75. Like if we gave birth at 75, like I don't know, like my heart would explode <laughs> with love and with stress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the good things in life take a Effort and because, like, for you, yeah. you know, you're in your, you know, 30s. I am. You know, and you have seven kids. I you do. did the math to 74, and you had <laughs> a kid every two years up until 74. I'd be like a little village of people. A little? The village people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the conquistadors. <laughs> I mean, you, you would have, do the math for me. You would oh, have how many kids? Lots. Up to 70. Well, Let's see. Five. Ten, 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 ten. So, I don't know, somewhere around 20-something. Yeah. 30-something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're laughing about it, but I can see the stress. But see, by face. that point, they're taking care of each other. Yeah. That's what people don't get about big families. And you're seeing this right now, right? I mean, so you just had your fifth a couple years ago? Right. Right? Yeah. And your older kids are helping a lot, I assume. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about this before, but I assume they're helping a lot with There's the There's a kid. lot of assumptions there, Adam. Yeah. At least, the, maybe not they're helping, they're not helping in the middle of the night when it really counts. Right. <laughs> but during the day, I bet there are times where they're watching the kid. Yeah, no, they or, definitely help and great, mm-hmm. you know, and then they go off to college and they don't, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of what happened. That's why you got to keep them coming. Yeah, keep, no, but. Keep the door revolving. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's interesting is that, like, you know, you, we all live life, good things, hard things, difficult things. None of us are void of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was. You know, when I was reading that article, it was like, oh, that's crazy that, you know, reading the, you know, technicality. And then I was like, starting to get a little stress, like about my own life, you know, <laughs> like, honestly, like honest stress. Like, and here's the thing. None of us are void of stress, Mm-mm. right? Like, it's just, it's part of life. And there's different levels of stress and, and anxiety. Uh, you know, one, one statistic said that 77% of people uh, regularly express that they deal with stress. Mm-hmm. So that's on a regular basis. You know, I would say the other, you know, 23% are lying or dead. <laughs> you know, they, they, you stop dealing with stress probably when, you, when you're when you dead. Yeah. You know, so if 77% of people regularly deal with stress, then, you know, I would say that the other 20-something, you know, deal with stress on an irregular basis, you know, maybe not consistently. Like we, we all deal, you know, with stress and anxiety. It It, it just comes... Uh, because we live life, right? Yeah, and I think it's hard for us to appreciate the stress that comes with decision-making in particular. Mm -hmm. And the way we build our culture is that we have, not only do we have a lot of things to do, but we have a lot of decisions to make all the time. Mm -hmm. There are other cultures on the planet where a lot of the big decisions are already made for you, you know? Like I remember watching this documentary on this fascinating little community of people that live on top of a mountain in the middle of East Asia or something. And they've been there for 300 years and the way they live their life, what they're going to do that day, how they're going to eat, uh, what they're going to wear. Like it's all been laid out for them and they just have to go do it. Right. That's not us here in America, right? Like nothing is laid out for us. We have to go decide a thousand things a day of how we're going to eat, what we're going to wear. And this is the thing Jesus warned us about, right? Like these decisions are a source of stress. Yeah. And he says, don't worry about these things, right? But the thing is, our culture is designed to worry about those things. Like, mm-hmm. by design, we don't know where our food's going to come from or, like, like we have to go make money all the time just to eat, just to have something to wear. And so, yeah, I think a lot of us don't appreciate the, the sources of stress in our life that we don't think about, like the decision-making we have to make and things like that. Yeah, I mean, 1 in 13 people deal with anxiety on a regular basis, you know, stress leads to anxiety. You know, I was reading that amongst young people since 2005, anxiety is on a 40% rise. Well, what's the I, difference I, between anxiety and stress? Well, I mean, anxiety is sort of a, a deeper layer of stress. You know, like we, we all deal with stress and worry. Uh, anxiety is sort of this ongoing pattern. It gets deeper. Um, anxiety would lead to maybe bouts of depression. Mm-hmm. Bouts of depression could lead to more manic more deeper bouts of depression you know so um you know we all we all have dealt in some way with stress or anxiety or depression in some way shape or form you know for some people it's maybe chronic you mm-hmm. know um but 
to, to kind of put us all on an even playing field, uh, we all deal with stress. Now, certain cultures and countries where stress is a lot less, maybe, like you said, the, you know, the yeah. village. Um, uh, but in America, like for us, in a lot of ways, like, you know, the, 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 the pace of life, when I talk to people, everybody's like, man, I'm busy. I got a lot going on. I'm stressed. It's a high stress And culture. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we all are, right? I'm busy. I'm stressed. I got a lot going on. You know, it's nonstop. And I think the season where everybody's getting back into school and like we're going to activities and family life and, you know, we're missing family dinners and meals and, you know, we're kind of eating on the road and the advent of fast food. And, you know, it's just constant pace, constant pace. Right. And then we mm -hmm. get to Friday and we're like, man, I can't wait for the weekend. Oh, crap. No, the weekend's full of stuff. Right. You know, like tonight we're driving a football game tomorrow. We got soccer games. Sunday we got soccer games. And we're going to go to mass at some point, right? And then we end up going to mass at a different place because we got to fit it in. You know, like, like mm -hmm. you know, like I, I'm talking about all of us. We're kind of like, you know, and I'm not saying all those things are bad. I'm saying like, you know, we, we're kind of like in this in this season and this life where things are stressful. Then we got to go to work and then we got to do this. And they say, you know, the things that are most stressful for us are, you know, our jobs, our finances, uh, raising kids, um, moving, buying a house, change of jobs, any type of change of situation, uh, all, all, you know, stressors, just normal stressors that we have. I think I'm dealing with all those right now. <laughs> um, That's a great strategy. Yeah. So just bring it all on all the time. Um, and, you know, I think the lie, though, is that if I'm dealing with stress, there's something wrong with me. Or if I'm stressed out, or if I'm anxious, there's something wrong with me. And this is what we're going to get into today, because this is not a new thing. It's not a new concept. It's not a new emotion. Uh, it's like saying that uh, all of a sudden fear is this new emotion that's surfacing. It's, it's all mm -hmm. of a sudden that sadness is this new emotion that's surfacing in our culture. It's all of a sudden that saying that anger is somehow this new emotion that's surfacing. No, it's not. This is Stress is um, an emotion that's in the human DNA. Uh, so much so uh, that Jesus talked about it during his time, that this, that the early writers talked about it, that St. Paul talked about it, right? Like, this is not something that, that's, that's new. The mm -hmm. Old Testament prophets preached about it and talked about it, and we all deal with it, right? Yeah. You know, and we're all different. Or we don't deal with it, and I think that's the, the point you're making. Well, that's is that, true. Is that experiencing it is human— but we live in a culture where we we just assume it's going to happen. We're all going to be stressed, and we don't address it first from a spiritual perspective. Because like you said, there's a lot there to explore the effect of stress in my life, the effect it might have in my relationship with Jesus, with my spouse, with my children. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the thing about Christianity is that nothing is outside the realm of redemption. And if I focus on how the Lord wants me to do with my stress, it can become a source of holiness. Absolutely. And it and it can be a source of a, a great meeting place between you and the Lord, mm -hmm. right? And it can be a great source of intimacy between you and your spouse yeah, and you and your kids. So instead of ignoring it, we kind of own it, embrace it, and then enter into it. And we're going to talk more practically. We even talk spiritually about what Jesus says about this, what the Gospels, what, what the Scriptures say, um, uh, about this because I think it's important that we preface this and that we put it within the context of our spiritual life because um, this is huge for us because they do say that people who have active 
prayer life, who who are believers, who believe in God, are less stressed, right? They have less, but it doesn't mean that they don't deal with stress or anxiety. They just know where to go with it. We're gonna we're gonna talk uh, more about that when we come back. Paul and Adam, be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul and Adam in studio talking the, the stress of art. The art of stress. The art of stress. The living stress of art. Stressing. Stressing with the art of living. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's beautiful. It right is. There. It is. I mean, you have seven kids, family, job. You have different stress than me, you know, different right. worries. You know, we have some common things. We all kind of do. But part of the, the human DNA is that we deal with it or, or we, we have it. Maybe we deal with it in different ways or don't deal with it at all. And it's interesting that, you know, in in um, the book of Philippians, it says this. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Well, that's easy enough. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, and if it stopped there, I think there would be a lot of judgment. Man, I shouldn't. I just shouldn't be anxious, right? Mm. And <clears throat> what they're saying is, what the writer's saying here is, uh, he's setting it up for what's next, right? Uh, he's saying, like, you know, like you're anxious, but you don't have to be. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be, but you don't have to be. And here's what to do. So he says. Uh, don't be anxious about about anything, but in every situation, every. So I, I love that word, right? Um, and you know, in, in some version of scripture, it says, uh, "Don't be anxious at all," right? Uh, and it says, "In all things." Uh, this one says, "In every situation." Says, you know, same same sort of concept. Every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's pretty good. That's a good one. That's good stuff. Yeah. Well, I think we've got to remember when we're reading Scripture, context is very important, and sometimes warnings are given where the assumption is, or the, the underlying context, is that we're talking about the sinful or um, wrong aspect of such and such. So, so, for example, like with anger, right? Like, don't let your anger go down... Uh, long let the sun set on your anger, right? Right. right. That, there is such a thing as righteous anger. Right. So we're not talking about that. Right. You see what I'm saying? So you take it in context. Don't let the sun go down on any unrighteous anger, like make amends, make re- reconciliation. And so when he's saying don't be anxious, right? he's not saying to all those people who struggle with anxiety, who are doing the best they can, like you're doing something wrong. And I think we hear that messages like that and we think, oh, there's something wrong with me because I am anxious. Right. But no, what he's saying is there is a type of anxiety that is unchristian. And that type is, I don't trust the Lord enough. Right. That's, that's good, because we all deal with it, and he's mm-hmm. saying, hey, we're all, we're all here, but we don't have to go there all the time. But when we do, here's what to do, right? Mm-hmm. So this is St. Paul, and they say the co-author Timothy, they're writing to, to the Philippians, right? 
Um, and if anybody ever in Scripture dealt with stress, <laughs> it had to be St. Paul. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Prison. He listed it out one time, right? Right. Uh, shipwrecked. Mm-hmm. Um, Stoned to death, but murdered. didn't die. <laughs> Somehow. Beheaded. Like, like seriously... <laughs> And he never he never says in scripture like I don't this doesn't bother me, right? Like he talks about a thorn in his side, right? So he when he's talking he's he's preaching from a place he he's been he's lived and is okay. So mm-hmm. oftentimes we think these writers and these apostles and disciples didn't deal with the same things that we deal with, and that's that's a lie, right? No, the, he, the reason yeah. they're talking about it is because they've dealt with it and dealing with it, and they're learning how to deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. So he's basically saying, this is how I deal with it. I've yeah. been shipwrecked. I've been stoned. I've been imprisoned. I, okay, have no anxiety. I know. Uh, but here's what to do, right? Mm-hmm. And and this is what he says. He's, he says, you know, uh, first he says by prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the first place like like you said the anxiety can lead us to a place where it's ungodly right mm-hmm. there, there's such a detachment from god and lack of trust hello i've been there that that we we just live in this desolation and depression and believe that god doesn't care or exist in that world with us yeah and we're not drawn to prayer right you see so anxiety could either lead us to prayer or lead us away and i think that's paul's point is that if you have this experience, get in the habit of drawing more on Christ, more prayer, more gratitude, not less. And that's the thing. There is an unhealthy version of anxiety where we tend away from God. Yes. And that's what happens is, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine. I was like, man, you're happy today. But the other day, like, you weren't as outgoing. He says, well, the real me is this outgoing person. And I said, yeah, but when you're in, you, you know, when you're in your anxiety and stress and depression like you hide like you go away like you, mentally like you're not mm-hmm. present right mm-hmm. and you you enter into this desolation and what what the beauty of the lord is the lord wants to enter into that like we don't have to you know quote unquote kick him out of that box mm-hmm. right and you know so when saint paul says by first prayer um i love this this scripture from Proverbs twelve twenty five it says anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, right? Mm-hmm. Like f- you feel the weight of stress and anxiety. Like we all yeah. like my my heart's heavy, my my shoulders are heavy, my you know. It says, but a good word makes him glad. Yeah, I love this. It reminds me of um, where do you get a good word? <laughs> well, from the scripture and from your your brothers and sisters in Christ, right? right? Encouragement. Right. This reminds me of. So St. Thomas Aquinas, when he was defining anxiety, he said that sorrow, so when there's an evil present for a long time, weighs down on us, and we feel this weight. Mm -hmm. He said that's anxiety. It's like it's prolonged sorrow, and the weight of it, just the sheer sheer experience of it, cripples us, you know? Yeah. And... uh, and it is amazing how much a good word from someone or the scriptures can just snap us right out of it. Well, and what, what did Jesus do when he dealt with anxiety and his humanness? Because I think oftentimes we think, oh, he was the Lord, he didn't deal with it. I mean, Jesus had such anxiety. Think about this. The anxiety was so bad that medically his condition caused him to sweat blood. Now, none of us, I haven't. I don't know anybody, I haven't met anyone, but I know it's a condition medically mm-hmm. that you're in, under such anxiety that you sweat drops of blood. 
That's what Jesus dealt with in his anxiety. Think about that. Now, what did he do when he was dealing with anxiety? He went to the garden, uh, you know, the Olive Garden, Garden of Gethsemane. Olive Garden, yeah. Yeah, he, he, and he got some breadsticks. <laughs> That's what I do with my anxiety. <laughs> I eat unlimited salad and breadsticks. <laughs> well, and angels ministered to him. I think that's so interesting that in that moment, the Father sent his angels who are not able to be seen. Now, maybe he saw them, but we don't know. Like, did he see the angels? We don't know. We, we don't know, but... We, I mean, he's aware, he, but in his humanness, like, what was his experience in the moment? He was obviously in a very dark place, but God was not far off, and God was ministering to him in that dark place. The anxiety didn't immediately go away, the stress, because what he was about to undertake is something we never will. But the Father was present with him. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to know. And First Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all your anxiety on him. Cast it. Because he cares for you. Right? So the Lord cares for us. Cast it. Like, like literally, throw it. Like, like, if you're if you're casting a net or a, a fishing rod, like you 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 zing it out there. <laughs> like there's times where our stress is like, man, I, I can't do this. Here it is. Like I'm throwing it at you. You catch it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I need you to be in this with me. And that's what prayer does. And when St. Paul is saying, you know, by prayer and petition, right? He says, you know, that's the place. Like that's that's the entry point. Like that's the meeting place. Like that's that's even the conversation. With, with the Lord is right there, right? Yeah. But this is a habit, and I think this is why St. Paul is, is giving this teaching, is that it's not automatic. So it's not like you get baptized into Christ, you get confirmed, you now have no anxieties, and you know how to cast everything on the Lord. Um, so in case nothing's wrong, that's what you do. He's talking to Christians. Right. Like, this is part of our journey, is that we develop this habit of taking our anxiety and our stress and casting it on the Lord. It starts in small things, our anxiety about um, how dinner's going to get done tonight, or then in that habit, we can do the bigger things, the anxiety about my kid's future and, and our, our job change. And but the thing is, if we're not in the habit of casting our cares on the Lord, then those moments will cripple us. And here's, here's what they do. Here's, here's the flip side of that. We've probably dealt with this, is that if we don't take it to the Lord and cast it to Him— we cast it on other people, a lot of times in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. Like we throw our stress and anxiety on others, and we get angry. We blame them. Uh, it's their fault. They're a part of it. If they would change. It, we take our stress out, or we cast it on. Hey, I'm just going to drink on Friday night more than I should, or you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just you know, veg so much that I'm just not available to people. You know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna binge watch. Netflix, like I'm going to cast my anxiety to a place where it becomes unhealthy, right? Yeah. So there's a healthy casting of I'm in, I'm going to invite you, Adam, into my anxiety because I just need your prayer and support. So my casting is like, hey, man, like I'm going through a stressful time. Really, you know, can you pray for me? And you're like, tell me about it. That's good, right? That's mm-hmm. an entry point of good, healthy community, right? Mm-hmm. And conversation with your spouse. Hey, you, you look down today. Like, how was it? Man, I'm just stressed. Like a lot went on, you know, kids threw stuff all over, you know, whatever. Like, that's good. You share the anxiety, the stress together. You help carry it together. There's a healthiness to that where it gets unhealthy is when you cast it and you leave and you want to, you want to, you want the other thing to deal with it and you don't. 
Yeah. So you want the drinking or the binging or the other person and you just, your, your workers or your job, it's everyone else's, it's everyone else's job to deal with your stress. And you just, you just exit out the building. When you see at the, I think at the heart of this is a certain type of pride where we enjoy the, in, the attention of people feeling sorry for us. But we're, like I could, if I share something with you about a stress going on in my life or anxiety, if my goal is like that healthy dynamic you were talking about, it can easily be accomplished. Like if that's my goal, me just telling someone who loves me about a stress or anxiety will relieve my stress and anxiety and invite someone into a closer relationship with me. Like every time, if that's my goal. But if my goal is to feel like I can limit my stress by other people feeling sorry for me, if my goal is for you to feel sorry for me, that's not going to be, a, it's not going to work. Right. Like I'm not going to feel better that you feel, maybe in the moment I will, but I'm going to feel more stressed out the next time this comes up. And then I'm going to go to you again and I'm going to like, why is this not working? I have all these people that I'm talking to and venting to, but nothing's resolving. Nothing's getting better. Yeah. We don't want people to feel sorry for us. What we really desire is empathy from people. Yes. Like, Hey, I've been there. I know what that feels like. Oh, you do. Well, I'm not alone. And when we don't feel alone, we feel like, okay, I, I, I don't have to hide or isolate myself. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the importance, bringing it back to prayer, is the Lord's like, you know what? I've been there. Hey, no, you haven't. Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had anxiety. <laughs> yeah. I know what it feels like. I can be with you. I can walk with you, right? It may not change everything, but it changes you that mm-hmm. I'm here. Like, there's some things in our situation we can't change immediately. Some things we can't. We'll talk about that later. But the Lord's with us. Next thing St. Paul talks about, he says, by prayer and petition, right? Mm-hmm. Like, be specific with the Lord. Like, like let him know. I, I love this version of Scripture. And uh, <laughs> it says, instead of cast your troubles on God, it says, pile your troubles on God's shoulders. <laughs> uh, the other one says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you, right? He will never allow the righteous to be shaken, right? Uh, so this one says, pile your troubles on God's shoulders and he'll carry your load. He'll help you out. He'll never let good people uh, topple into your ruin. Um, the, the, it, there's a verb here, cast, pile, right? This is petition. It Like, mm-hmm. Lord, here's where I'm at. Like, I need to be specific. So petition is like, it's a name in it. Like, name the specifics. Here's what's stressing me out. You know, like, our bills, our finances, my job, my, you know, raising kids, you know, my marriage, you know, I, my car's breaking down, you know, and, you, you know, we're moving, you know, I, I feel this. Or, like, get into the nitty gritty in the conversation and in the petition. Well, and there's power in specific petition, not just... Because, look, God knows what we need before we ask. So the point of asking God for something is not that he gives it to us. That's not the point. Right. Not really, because he already knows what we need, and he already loves us so much he's ready to give it. So the point is more about us than it is about him. And just like in any good relationship <clears throat> with good communication... If I just say, like, hey, I'm having a stressful time, raising kids is tough, can you help? That's one thing. But if I was a good friend, I would say, well, what's stressful about it? Mm -hmm. I would try to narrow it down and name, like, what is really going on so that you're actually helped by me and by, like, naming it. And this is what it is with the Lord. Like, I can't just say, God, life is stressful. 
And then God just helps me out and it works because that's not what's good for me is that Jesus might ask, well, what is stressful about it? What specifically is going on? And this is prayer. Like this is prayer right. where the Lord talks to me about this. And then I find out something about myself, about my own heart, my own desires, my own passions that are not being fulfilled, whatever. And then I cast that on the Lord in a specific petition. This is so healing for me and good for me. Right. And the Lord wants this from us, this very specific petition that probes our heart because he wants to tell us about our heart. He wants to show us things that we can't see already. You know, and so specific petitions are so important in our relationship with, with God. That is where, yeah, it's where the conversation gets detailed, you know, and, you know, it's just if we pray about one thing one time and then we're like, well, God just knows what I'm dealing with. So, you know, I'm just going to stop talking to him about it. But we see in the New Testament, you know, this, the scripture and the story of the persistent widow mm-hmm. who continues to go back and ask and ask and finally She's given, you know, what she's what she needs. That persistence in prayer is about transforming our hearts to mm-hmm. trust more in the Lord, to rely more on the Lord, to to allow the Lord to enter in. You know, instead of saying, "Oh, God knows what I'm dealing with," I'm just going to go off and do my thing, and and you know, He'll circle back around when He's ready. It's not about that. It's about the relationship, right? And petition really um, gets us into the details with God. Yep. Right. Instead of just saying, Lord, you know I deal with stress. Take care of it. <laughs> yes. Uh, but what? Like, let's talk about it. Like, let's get into that. Yeah, and look at all the biblical examples of petition that please God. They were persistent, like you said. They were heartfelt, like wailing, crying. You know, so they were intense. It wasn't just like a, you know, Lord, do this for me, please. They were intense. It was intense. Oftentimes. And they, it was very specific. They actually were intense. That's true. And a lot of times. They would build a, t- <laughs> a tent around. <laughs> but the think Holy of like of think of like Hannah and Samuel. You know, it's like a the image of the person who is very specific, very persevering, and very uh, passionate about an intention. God uses those situations to bring about his plan. But like it also it's to make us holy and others holy, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I think our anxiety can either make us not even want to go there with God, like he already knows what I need and he's not giving it, so whatever. Our anxiety can bring us to a place of like Hannah where, you know what, if this takes 10 years of asking, I'm going to give it 10 years of asking, you know? And that transformative experience is good for us. It's healing for us. Absolutely. But it's also good for other people. And that's the thing. Our anxiety is not meaningless. And it's not just about us. It's good for our kids. It's good for our spouse. It's good for our church that we enter into this dialogue of petition with the Lord. Absolutely. I mean, look at how long, you know, we talked about the woman getting pregnant. Yeah. You know, it's a, and look how long Sarah prayed for, you know, mm-hmm. a kid late in life, you know, she had... She had a child. So, um, and then, you know, St. Paul goes into, he says, by prayer petition with thanksgiving, um, make your request known to God, right? Um, and I think this is huge. This is where, this is where um, we, we get out of ourselves. We get out of our, our own uh, desolate thoughts. And, and then we, we, we begin to, to see that there's, there's some light coming through the clouds, and what I mean by that is if you start to think about the things that you're grateful for and thankful for, all of a sudden you begin to forget about 
all the little things that are bringing you stress and anxiety, right? Um, and so just start listing them, just start naming them, get in a pattern of it, you know, and because we can get in a rut of complaining. Oh, yeah. Easy. It's so easy to complain. And we're around people who complain. Man, it's hot. Not only is it hot, man, I hate it here. <laughs> man, I don't want to live here. You know, oh, man, did you see, you know, the election? You know, and then the go- the country's falling apart, you know. And, the, like, it, it, it's constant negativity. Constant negativity. And then it spins in our own life. Man, I don't have this. And look what they have, you know. And, you know, if I just had a better job or made more money and, you know, like we could just start rattling off negative things before we know it. we're dealing with the stress of it, the worry, the anxiety of it. And what, what St. Paul's talking about is flip it on its head. Turn that, turn that ship around. And the way to turn it around is just start thanking God for everything. Mm-hmm. I, I found this to be one of the most important and difficult aspects of our spiritual journey is to have real gratitude. Right. I don't know if it's a cultural thing, like we're, we're just more ungrateful of our culture, like we, we're so stressed out that we tend to focus on what's not versus what is. But it is so hard today to really be thankful. But there's, there's few things more foundational to our life as Christians than gratitude. So much so that the main thing we do we call Eucharist, Thanksgiving. Because the, the second person of the Trinity is gratitude is thanksgiving like he is receiving his life from the father and giving it back in gratitude Amen to that. the definition of gratitude the root is grace gratia it's to receive something you didn't deserve to be graced and then give it back yep. like that's the definition absolutely and this is why saint paul reminds us like what have you what do you have that you haven't received tell me one good thing that you have that is not a gift from god and the truth is, there is no good thing that we have that is not a gift from God. And so what is the Eucharist? What is Mass? It's us who have received all these good things, even Jesus Christ. Like we've received the Son of God, and we give even that back to the Father right. together in communion. That is Mass. It's the central act of our church is to say thanks. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> right? It's like, man, my kids stress me out. Lord, I'm thankful for my kids. Yes. You know, Lord, I, you know, my job stressed me. Lord, I'm thankful for my job. You know, you know, Lord, you know, my car is broken. Lord, I'm thankful for the bus. You know, Lord, I, you know, money stressing me out. I'm thankful we paid our bills this month. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like you could flip it all around. You can find it. And what I've oftentimes in my life is, you know, like I am such in a rut with negativity that I'm just going to start. Uh, a gratitude journal every day. I'm just going to start. I'm going to write. I'm just going to, I'm going to flip the mindset. I'm going to, I'm going to flip it and, and get away from the devil of negativity and, and allow the grace, the gracio Thanksgiving to, to enter into my mind and my heart. Right. Cause I've gotten away from it. And because Thanksgiving moves us out of this desolation of stress into, Oh man, things aren't as bad as I thought they were. Oh, things are better. Or I have some things to rely on that are really good, right? And that's the constant sort of rattling off. This is why St. Paul says prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. He didn't say just prayer. He didn't say just petition or just prayer and petition. He adds thanksgiving in there because this is the thing that basically turns the light switch on. It flips everything around. It brings light in the darkness. Man, a lot of times, 
you know, as you go into prayer, if you want your prayer to kind of flip on its head, just start thanking God for everything. And before you know it, like you've forgotten about all the bad things. Yeah. Prayer humbles us to recognize who is in our life. Yeah. Petition humbles us by saying we depend on him for everything. And gratitude humbles us because we realize he's actually delivered. Mm, he's good. actually loved us. You could write a book on this. Right? <clears throat> boom, th- boom, boom. Well, I mean, St. Paul you, already you just, did. Yeah, but you just rattled <laughs> it off. You just summed it all up for us. Well, the thing is, it's humility is an answer to anxiety, not because we're so horrible and prideful that we whatever, but because we forget who he is. That's the essential aspect of humility. It's not we forget who we are. It's we forget who he is. And then from knowing who he is, we know who we are. Right. Right. Like, but the first part is like the Lord said, the greatest commandment is to love God above all things, right? And then love your neighbors yourself. The first step is always an awareness of who this is in our life. God is in our life and who he is, which leads us to know who we are and then how to live in gratitude. Because I mean, one of the most tragic things of a Christian life is where we stop being grateful that Jesus has saved us for eternity. Just that alone, if we have nothing else going for us, like if if everything else is falling apart around us, but we know that our Lord has saved us from hell and that we can be with God for all eternity in heaven, isn't that enough to be grateful Mm -hmm. the rest of our lives, no matter what is going on? Yep. But we forget, you know? Amen. But prayer keeps us connected. Petitions remind us like we depend on him for everything. And then practicing gratitude is it, it keeps us in that mode. And I think you're right. Thanksgiving helps us remember that God comes through. All right, we'll come back in a minute. Paul and out. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show, Paul and Adam. Oh, man. This show is stressing me out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The opposite. The opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, you know, people had a camera on what we did in the commercial break. Oh, I don't I don't wish that. Joking around. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, man, we're in this topic. Kind of, you know, this is good. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a six-pack of stress relievers. I don't, I don't know how that. I don't know how that sounds. It's like drugs, you know, alcohol. Like it just sounded funny. Question six, number one. Six pack. Oh, question number one. Six so, pack of breadsticks. So, like with any thing, like an awareness of a problem is the first step, right? Like just being aware of what the situation is. Yeah. But we're not really trained in our side to even be aware of all the stress that's impacting us. So you gave a, a great list earlier of like what people say are stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, so question number one is like, how do we how do we come to be aware of the stress that's actually in our life? You know, like the things maybe we don't see. Well, I think yeah, that's a good question because 
you know, like I can be stressed or I can, um, you know, one of the ways that I show stress is that, um, I exhale, you know, it's just like a big, deep breath. You know, my wife will say, uh, you're stressed. So, um, which is probably true, but you know, it might not be anything major. It's just, man, it's a crazy day long. Her, she can start assuming what that stress is. So she's like, I know you're stressed because the house is dirty. I'm so sorry. And in my mind, I'm like, that's not my stress today. Right. Um, and so she'll just start rattling off stuff and she's just completely under assumptions. She's, it's a guessing game, mm -hmm. right? Which is, which is silly because no one should be able to guess your emotion. You have to name it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think one of the myths in a marriage or, you know, is that we, we should put on someone else that they should guess how we're feeling. It, you know, it's like a silly guessing game that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Right. But what it does is it puts it on us to start to think and name the stress, you know? So no, that's not it, but let me think about it. Okay, here it is. Here's what I feel today. Like this is the stress that I'm dealing with. And this is important, the self-recognition, getting down to the root of it. Because if there's a pattern of that one stress, you know, it's like, oh man, over the last two months, the same thing over and over. It's my job over and over. It's not the kids, you know, that's stressful. The bills, yeah, that's stressful. But what's really causing me stress is this. And you get down to it, you can start name it, maybe do something about it, maybe make some changes, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if you make it about everything else, then you're just letting everything else kind of take the attention away from what it really is. All right. I like that. To get down to the nitty gritty. Dig in the nitty, nitty, grit, nitty gritty. That. That's a hard thing to say. Yeah, the gritty nitty. The gritty nitty. <laughs> All right, question number two. Um, so Catholic guilt is very powerful. Mm. And I think when we hear things like have no anxiety at all, or Jesus says don't worry about what you are to wear, eat, and all these things. Yeah. But we say, we think, oh, I do. Like I do worry and I do have anxiety. We get guilty. So... For a lot of us, this is a big deal with stress because we feel guilty that we're even stressed or that we're even doubting the Lord or that we don't trust him and we just feel like failures of Christians. So question number two, how do I get through those that experience, that emotion to make it like something actually productive? How do I find a productive place in that feeling, in that experience? Yeah, this Christian Catholic guilt of not being perfect mm -hmm. um, comes from one place the devil. I mean, it's just the enemy making us think that if we're not perfect or have it all together, then something's wrong with us. The reality is this, we're all imperfect. We should know this and just claim it. We all have struggles. We all deal with stress and anxiety. That's why we're talking about it. And just, just naming it and, and just saying, like giving yourself permission to feel what you're feeling, giving yourself permission to name it, giving yourself permission to talk about it, giving yourself permission to have a support group or go to counseling or go to AA or, you know, whatever is like huge. It's, it's like, it's like groundbreaking, you know, like, you know, like if you're dealing with it and you go to spiritual director or confession or a friend and you say, here's what's going on. This is what I'm dealing with. It's like all of a sudden this huge relief, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just naming it. Uh, but the fear of, man, if I tell somebody that I'm stressed, they're going to think ill of me. They're going to think something's wrong with me, right? And I think the opposite is true. Like we all long for this connection because we're all, we're all dealing with it. Yeah. 
All right, question number three. So what are some, I don't know, strategies, I guess, but you hear the term stress management often yeah. or, or these things. Like, yeah. like what's what's a good way to kind of get started if I want to do better at managing my stress from a, um, just a life standpoint, like a, a you know, st- strategic standpoint? How do I manage my stress? Yeah, there's a lot of stress relievers, and I'm not a professional counselor, right? I've talked to some. Uh, I've, I've been to some. I you know, deal with my own life. Right. So there's a lot of stress relievers. I think one is like, you know, like say your house is giving you stress cause it's messy or your desk or what, uh, or your, the, your life just feels a little chaotic. It feels what I would say out of order, bring some order to the chaos or let someone help bring order, bring in someone to organize your office or your house, right? Bring someone in to help clean your house, bring someone in to help you with scheduling, bring someone in. Like if there's just things out your calendar or your finances, when there's, when things just feel like it got bigger than what you can handle and it's out of order, it causes major stress, but sometimes the solution is very simple. Bring a little bit of order to that. Have someone help you bring order to it. You know, meet with you know, a budget person to help you put a budget together, figure out where your money's going. That's a big stressor, right? Mm-hmm. But just the fact that you brought order to it, bring some order to your schedule, bring some rhythm and order to uh, where you give your time. So when we can order things, we, we kind of cut out a lot of the stress that we don't need, actually, mm-hmm. if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Yeah. You know, the, cut the fat off the meat, right? Uh, so bring some order. Uh, obviously, go back to the rhythm of prayer, petition, and thanksgiving. Um, and thanksgiving, I think giving is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it 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 relie- giving relieves stress. When's the last time you you got something for someone? You gave to a poor person. You you bought someone a meal. You felt bad, right? It, it moves us out of ourselves. So giving. Find an activity that's healthy for you that relieves stress. Maybe you play music. Maybe you haven't played music in years and you need to pick up a guitar, play a keyboard. Maybe you haven't exercised. Um, maybe that's a stress reliever. Maybe you uh, need to go into the outdoors. You know, something that's healthy. Not, not, you know, some people are like, man, I just go to the camp for the weekend. I drink all weekend. I just forget about my, my life and then I come back home on Sunday. That's not what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can have fun activities uh, that are still healthy for us that help just relieve the stress. Um, uh, have good, healthy friendships and community so where you can just be yourself, laugh, and people know you, and, you know, th- that's important consistently. Uh, if you're married, have good intimacy with your spouse, good conversation, um, and uh, bring some joy into your home, right? Just dance a little, laugh a little, um, don't be so, um, hard on yourself, you know, and, uh, force yourself to, uh, bring joy into the home. So those are some of the stress for, you know, we, we can name a ton more, yeah. right? Um, I like that, but those are some of the ones that I would I got list. a little list to start on here. Yeah. All right. Question number four. So I want to talk about couples in particular, um, because stress can drive us apart or bring us together, right? Like we either deal with it like a team or we use it as ammunition as enemies, right? So what have you noticed in working with couples and kind of making that transition? Let's say a couple is listening right now or a spouse listening right now, and they know that the stressful things in their life drives them apart. Mm-hmm. Um, what would What can you say right now to kind of 
open an avenue of, of changing that habit? What, what's effective? I think one of the myths of marriage is that marriage is 50-50, right? You know, it's, it's an even split. You know, we each give 50, we take our 50, we divvy out our 50, and if we each give 50, we have 100%, mm-hmm. right? And although in concept that sounds, you know, mathematically correct, in marriage, it's, it, the, the formula fails, right? Because there's days that I can't give 50%, I fall short, or my spouse. And so, you know, maybe combined, <laughs> we only have, you know, a certain percentage, right? And then we get into, well, you said you would do this, and you said you would do that, and then, you know, our divvy's falling apart. And the reality is this, is that in marriage, what works is that we each are trying to give 100%. And the reality is we never reach that capacity, right? Because we're imperfect. But if we're each at 80, it's right? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> or if one's at 80 and one's at 20, mm-hmm. we got 100. Yeah. So you share, you share stress. You share anxiety. You share responsibility. You share prayer. You share it all together, and together you move forward. And there's times, yes, that one spouse may be carrying more than the other. And there's times where the other spouse may be carrying more than the other. That's the beauty of marriage, is that we carry each other, right? And sometimes one is weaker than the other and vice versa, because that's life, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I think we get into marriage thinking, oh, it's gonna be great and beautiful, we love each other all the time and ever, no worries. The reality is no, uh, <laughs> we're married to imperfect people, given everything we can to help each other along till we can't breathe anymore. Love it. All right. Question number five. So us and God and stress. Yes. For a lot of us, um, God stresses us out. Mm -hmm. Like just the thought of it. And I I think for a lot of us, that's one of the reasons we don't want to pray. We, uh, we don't want to go to confession. Like it, it just seems like a stressful (laughs) thing to keep up with. Kind of like taxes stress us out or, uh, whatever, you know, it's, it's, we don't, we're not inclined to have a relationship with God on the level we know we should because we see it as a very stressful, demanding dynamic. God wants too much from me right. or something like that. Yeah. So how do I ease the stress and anxiety in my relationship with God to make it something I actually enjoy? Well, I think there's there's the assumptions or the mis, misconceptions there is that, you know, if I talk to God, um, then then I'm afraid of what he might ask of me or what he might change or do or dig up, right? So then then it brings up all this stuff. The reality is, is that God would never ask us to do anything that we can't or are unwilling. We have free will, you know? So I always say God meets us in the shallow end of the pool and walks us into the deep, right? Mm-hmm. We can't swim. He just wants us to get our feet wet. Uh, if we're afraid of the deep, he just wants us to play in the shallow, Right? Mm-hmm. until we're comfortable taking off the floaties and, <laughs> and diving off the diving board, right? Mm-hmm. That's the spiritual life. So stop, all of us need to stop putting these assumptions onto the Lord, these misconceptions of what the Lord would do or might do or could do, right? And just allow him to meet you and me where you are, Right? Mm-hmm. And if that's, I just don't feel like getting into the pool today, can you just sit on the side with me? Yeah, God would never deny that, right? So just letting go of all that and just asking the Lord to meet you where you are is 
just the best place to do that. Love it. Man, I got so much to work on after this show. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, goodness, yeah. I got a big old list. All right, question number six. So what would you say is like the most common bad habit people have when dealing with stress that's like not helpful at all? But we think it's helpful. Like this is this is how I cope with stress, but it's actually not helpful at all. As you work with people, what's kind of like the main bad habit? Justification. Like that's that's the bad habit. The bad habit is I'm gonna justify something that's going to deal with this stress, right? Mm-hmm. That justification says it's okay for me to overeat, overdrink you know, overconsume, over disengage, you know, and I'm going to justify it by saying I deserve it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to justify the behavior because I'm stressed and I deserve it and life's hard and nobody knows how hard my life is. Right. So the word is just justification. Um, And more and more we justify behavior that's not good for us that we think uh, we deserve because it's going to help us with our stress, the further and further we get away from what God really wants for us, right? Which is true joy, true peace, true happiness, true love, true hope. Um, And so we got to stop justifying the fact that we deserve sort of this spiritual, you know, sort of this entitlement. And what happens is we begin to separate the spiritual life with like just you know, life, you know, it's like, oh, no, I can do this because I deserve it. And then, you know, I'll call on God when he wants. It's it's all woven together, you know. So we all find ourselves, man, you know, it's like, man, I, you know, I deserve, you know, one more, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, is that going to help you deal with your stress more? It might help you forget about it for a moment, but it's not going away. Mm-hmm. It's going to be back on Monday, right? Mm-hmm. So the best entry point is is to invite the Lord there, right? And then you know, have the conversation, Lord, what do you want me to do with this anxiety or stress, right? He, want, he wants good things for us, all of us, and wants to meet us there. So, yeah, man, uh, good show. Yeah, I feel so mellow. Next show will not be, <laughs> be on stress. The art of dealing with stress. This is good, though. Good conversation. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. Share the show on the podcast. Uh, You can share it all over Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Um, Find it on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, uh, or discovertheartofliving.com. You can look at all the things that we're doing there. You could support the show. And thanks to KelFT and our sponsors um, for everything they do. So God bless. Talk to you next week.